Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Leon. Good, good afternoon or good evening, uh, it's evening here. Um, my name is uh, Leon B, compulsive overeater. I have um, two years as of um, a week ago, April 30th, um, 2018 was my, was my abstinent date. So I just celebrated two years. Um, and is, is this the group, that room right now? Can y'all see that? Can someone give me a nod? You know, I'm getting like really emotional. Um, I shared this before um, on another LA meeting that I was on because this was the this was the podcast or your group is what helped me um, to to be where I am today. Um, I was after 13 years of in and out of the rooms, and I mean trying every diet that you can think of. Um, I was. I had I had totally totally forgotten about OA. This was 2017, um, and I had I had a diet that worked very well. I mean, I was eating 800 calories per day, and I had lost like 80 pounds doing that. And I I just thought I had the answer to life. Um, and I came off of it for a little while just to see if I could go back to normal eating. Um, and and I commenced to gain weight. I mean, the, the, the disease kicked in like unlike ever before. Um, and I couldn't see my way out of stopping eating. And I, I just couldn't. And I had put on 50 pounds literally with, within probably 45 days. I was gaining weight so rapidly. And I was so depressed. And I did not know what to do. I had complete, OA was not even on my radar anymore. Um, and I, and I had my ear pods in, not ear pods, I don't think they were out then, but I had my earphones in and I fell to the bed and this, um, light a candle meeting came on and there was a, a gentleman, I have no idea what his name was, but he started, um, he started telling my story. Um, and that was, that was 13 years, um, in and out of the rooms, you know, and never really working the steps, just working the, the tools and following a food plan, as we say, diet with, with group support. I had never given these steps a try. And when I heard him speak on this meeting, it was like, man, this is who I am. I, I am a compulsive overeater. I, this, this is just something, something else going on with me. So I went to a meeting that Monday and things just kind of took off from there. And, and I'll get back to that. I thank you all for this meeting. And that's why I start with that because your meeting really i mean thank god for this mode of um, transmission of the message through podcasts and now we have zoom so um i was more than more than happy to answer the call um i don't have a lot of time so i, I can't really go as deep as i want to go but I, I had been a compulsive overeater now that i look back over it my earliest um my earliest thought was when i was i had to be three or four um and my one of my cousins they were babysitting me and they gave me a can of corn and I, I still remember to this day how sweet that corn tasted and I polished off a can 
and went back and asked for another can. And they pulled the can and I ate that can and I went back and asked for another can. And um, and I just remember her telling me, you know, that I was greedy. I was a greedy little something. Um, but but food. I mean, I I have stories of that. Of I remember I gained in in the tenth grade. Oh, I was in the ninth grade, soaking wet. No no joke. I was 110 pounds. I was always a very thin child. Um, and I played football, and I I got tossed around. I mean, I got really beat down, and I got a job at the Great Cookie. And you talk about overeaters dream. I took home literally every time I worked, I had a pound of cookies in various um, uh, shapes, sizes, and flavors. And I would take a jumbo milk and I would go home and eat that every single night that I worked. Sometimes I would take the big cookies that you would, um, that you would, you would decorate. I would take one of those home and I would polish that entire thing off. In that year, I gained 60 pounds. I was 165, I'll never forget it. Um, because the coach came up to me when he realized how much I had beefed up, you know, and he asked me to, he asked me to come back out and, and play, play that year. Um, I, I went to the military shortly after that and I, and I was a heavy drinker. I wasn't um, an alcoholic, but I was one of those heavy drinkers that did all kind of crazy stuff. Uh, every time I would get drunk and my army friends, they would, they have stories for days. Um, I spent 12 years in, in the military. I went to a, Went to a few wars, um, which I did did not expect to, I would have to be a part of that. Um, I went in in 1989 just simply to escape D.C. That's where I'm from. There was a lot going on at that time, um, and I was just trying to leave the whole crack scene and um and and see the world. Little did I know that I would see the world in a way that um, I didn't sign up for. Um, but anyway, um, so I had a I had a spiritual change that took place in my life in July 1st, 1998. I'm gonna go into that. Life for me changed drastically. Um, I realized I was getting older. I wanted more out of life, um, and so I left the military and finished my education. Um, I have a, a bachelor's in biology, and I'm not not just saying that just to throw out. No, I'm telling. I'm I'm finna tell you my story. Um, I, I got a four-year degree in biology. Um, Signed up for medical school, took the MCAT, did well, got into med school, um, and was in my first year. And for some reason, I could not get through a study session with without having to to eat a certain substance that that was at a gas station down the street. Um, so much to the point in med school, you just study hours. I mean, twelve to fourteen hours, you just studying. And this food gave me such an effect. Now I understand it gave me such an effect. I would have to stop what I was doing, stop my study sessions, just to drive to the gas station. And it was a mixed bag of chocolate, nuts, and peanuts. I, I shouldn't say food, it was a mixed bag of assorted things. And I would eat that and I would drink a Diet Coke. And, and then it just went from that bag to certain certain other foods. And, and I would have all these bags and cakes in the car and, and I would try to throw it away before I got home. And my wife, she would, would clean up the car the next day and she would hold up these wrappers like, what the heck are you doing? And, um, and I had no clue why I was eating, why I could not um, avoid the gas station after my study sessions. Um, and I was, I, was, I was way overweight. I mean, I was, I was probably the heaviest person in my class. Um, and we were in pharmacology and my pharmacology instructor, we were talking about um, uh, alcohol abuse and alcohol withdrawal. And we were talking about the abstinence syndrome. And, and he was saying the only real treatment for AA that's been successful um, are, are the 12 steps. Um, and then he said that there were 12 steps for everything. And he started rambling off different uh, different addictions. And when he got to food, 
that really sparked my interest. And I said, Ooh, you know, and then I Googled, um, that was at the time of where we had laptops in class, this is 2005, I think. And I Googled um, food, food addiction programs and OA popped up and there was a meeting right down the street, right down the street from the school. And so I walked in and when I walked in, I saw no one that looked like me, um, not my gender, not my age, not my color, um, which didn't matter, you know, um, but, and everyone was crying. That's all I remember. They were all crying and, um, and, and they would end their shares with, but I didn't eat over it. And I was like, whatever they got going on up in there, I, I, this is not me. And, um, but they did say something, which I still can't remember to this day, what attracted me to come back. But I went to a different meeting on the other side of town and, and it was more of a diverse meeting. I um, mean, and there was a, um, an actually a colleague there, he's my instructor. Um, and he pulled me to the side and he and I talked, he showed me some of his before and after, and he put me and put me on the, he, he sponsored me, put me on a very strict diet. And I like slimmed down to nothing in like a short amount of time. And he tried to go through the steps with me, got to the fourth step. He ended up going into relapse. He was in Chinese New Year or something. He called me from China, told me he couldn't sponsor me anymore. And I was, and that started my whole trend of in and out of the rooms, on and off of diets, up and down with sponsors, but never really giving these steps a try. Because I, I, I was not really out of ideas and and I really felt like I could lose the weight another way. I could manage the weight another way. With me, it was all about weight. I hated, I was disgusted with how I looked. Uh, I was so ashamed to go anywhere with my wife. I was always putting myself down, saying how fat I was, how much I hated myself. My wife would tell me how handsome I was and I love you. And I, and I just really thought that something was wrong with her to be in love with me. This was a constant motion. It's a constant motion every day. I would just make these gestures of wanting to just blow my brains out. I would never buy a gun because I knew that if I would, I would become so fed up with myself that I would likely off myself. And I would lay on the couch at night, begging, asking God, please take this away, only to get up from my couch, to walk to my kitchen, walk to my pantry, stuff myself with food, to walk back to my couch, to lie down, to cry out and ask God to please take this away. Um, and, and that was just a constant motion, couch to kitchen, couch to kitchen, couch to kitchen. Um, I would pick fights with my wife because I knew if I did that, she would go to sleep and I would have the entire kitchen and living room all to myself and I can sit up and binge all night. And I would I would always get to a point where I would near 260 and I wouldn't get on the scale anymore because I really didn't want to see myself way, way more than that. And, and so just to kind of speed along, this went on for, for 13 years. And I was involved in a, um, a really bad car accident where someone died trying to save um, myself and my family. And at the time I was on that really strict diet. And, and I knew that I, could, I felt that I could always go back to that diet, which we know that that never works. And so I was eating and I had gained probably 40 pounds of the, the nearly 80 pounds I had lost like, like that. And I was going up quickly and got up to 50. And I said, I don't know what's, what's going on. After the accident, it really just set off some emotions. And I just, I remember getting the case of I don't care. I'm gonna eat whatever I want, and I just went to town. And so, so fast forward to the light a candle meeting. And when I tell you, my life was just—I mean, it, it was all about the hunt. It was all about food. It was all about me. My wife—I would never go to any places. I mean, it was just a really miserable 13 years that I can remember. 
I mean, even when I came out of this food fog, I, I didn't even know what type of person I was. I had to go back and ask my wife, how was I when you first met me? And she said, you were just so sweet and you were so patient and kind with me. And now, I mean, you've just become so angry over all of these years. Well, I went back into the rooms. Um, this time, like I said, last house on the block. This time I was ready to give these steps a try. I had tried everything else and I was looking into weight loss surgery, um, but I've seen patients eat right through it. I've seen people eat right through it. And I said, that's gonna be me. I'm gonna eat right through it. There's no point in me even doing that to myself. I need to at least give, give these steps a try. Um, and I met some people that introduced me to a phone meeting. And, and they said, call them to this phone meeting. Cause I asked, I asked some, some of the women there to sponsor me. I was just looking for anybody. I said, will you sponsor me? And all of them were like, well, I don't really sponsor men but I know of a meeting you can listen to. Um, so I called into that meeting. Um, I got a sponsor like that day and he and I um, started, started working together. And he said, well, I'm gonna give you 48 hours. He said, well, I'm gonna give you 48 hours to get clean, write down all of your foods you have troubles with and, and make a, 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 true, a true effort to stay away from them for the next 48 hours. Well, it was Boy Scout weekend and I had to take my son to the Boy Scout um, camping. And I said, well, you know, of course he, he needs to have snacks while he's out there. I ate every last one of them snacks. My, my son probably had one chip that day. Um, and so that Sunday I came back and, and I called him. I said, well, um, I didn't get the 48. You know, I ate at my son's camping trip. And he said, all right, well, let's start tomorrow. And I said, well, tomorrow's my birthday. <laughs> it was April 29th, 2018. And uh, he said, well, Leon, there's always going to be a, a reason to eat. And um and I and I was like you know what that's that's true you know and I I said well I'll try and I'm I'm telling you when you make an effort your higher power will will meet you <laughs> you know he he does not make it difficult to those that seek him out and I remember praying them next morning I said God I'm I'm going to need your help because I know my office they love me and they can give me all kind of treats and they know what I like and they know the sweets I like I'm mean, I used to hide chocolate chip cookies in my white coat who does that who walks around with a white coat full of cookies compulsive overeater um, and I went in the next day and sure enough, you know, they had it laid out for me. Um, but the one thing they did do, they blocked my schedule for the afternoon and cause they know I like to go to the spa and they gave me a spa afternoon. And so when they brought the cake out the cut, which was, which was my favorite cake, I cut it and I left, you know, so I, I made it through breakfast and I made it through lunch and my son's a chef and I told him exactly what I wanted for dinner. I told my wife, no cake, no sweets, no nothing. Just, just bring some, some fruit and I'll be fine with that. And then exactly what we had, and that was my first day of abstinence. 48 hours later, we started working the steps and I did whatever my sponsor told me to do. I know some people don't like this statement that, you know, if, if you're ready, a monkey could sponsor you. For me, that was true because I was ready. And if you would have told me to stand on top of the mountains and do X, Y, and Z, I would have done it. But thank God he just told me to follow these simple steps, you know, so we went you know, line for line, chapter by chapter, and we, we went pretty quickly. We, we did a chapter a day. Um, we got to step four. He um, turned me on to someone that's, that teaches step four very well, turned me on to the podcast. I listened to it. I took notes. You know, I paused. I, I, I hit rewind, um, took notes, took notes. Once I understood the, those columns and I went down, I went to it. It gave me 72 hours to complete the inventory, which was always a problem for me. But I, once I got a clear understanding, and I think I was just in a different headspace. I was in a, a real, I mean, desperate, willing to do anything headspace. And so um, I did it. I was done um, within probably 48 hours. And I called him. I said, I'm done. He said, all right, you need to give it away. 
and I'm trying to think of all these people. I, I thought about my pastor, and I thought about many people. Um, so my sponsor lives in a different a different state. Um, so I ended up calling an old friend of mine, and we sat for probably three or four hours. Um, and if I had it to do over, I probably would have picked a compulsive overeater because he kept telling me I was being too hard on myself. Um, and I kept saying, shut up. I got to get through this. You know, so I gave my fifth step away. But let me tell you something about the fourth step, because that's when I got my release. I, I can truly say that the obsession was was relieved at that point. I know they said most people, it happens around the, the ninth step promises. That's when you start to get the. I got mine at step five, um, at step four. And it was while I was going through that fourth column, you know, I went down, I wrote down all the people that, that I was thinking about had these, had these resentments, fears, and these sexual harms I had done. And I went down what, what I had done to them, what they had done to me, how it affected me. But that fourth column for resentments, there was such a pattern. I mean, this, this is, you have to do this work. You, get, you have to get in to these steps because when I saw, when I looked from my side, of what I, what I had done to these people, how I had got the ball in motion, I realized that I truly was the maker of all of my confusion. And, I, and at that point, I said, if I made this confusion, then I can fix this confusion. And if these steps can have, have opened up such, I mean, it just opened me up to a world that I had never even thought of, which was selfishness. <laughs> I did not realize how selfish I was. You know, and I said, I'm going to trudge on it. And I did five, six, seven. I made out my list of folks, you know, based off of step off of my list of step four. I went out, I made my amends. And then that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast. Um, when we got to step 10, he really slowed down, wanted to make sure I understood how to do a step 10 properly. So we probably stayed, you know, about five or six days in that step. Same thing with step 11. He wanted to make sure I had a morning practice. I had an evening practice. What, I mean, how was I going to pause throughout the day and sort of take my spiritual temperature? Um, once we got through that, we got to the working with others, probably read two paragraphs. And then he told me, all right, you need to start sponsoring. And I was scared to death, you know, but he was right there at my side to help me. And I did. And I'm telling you, you know, if you don't sponsor, you know, they say this, you know, you can't keep it if you don't give it away. But your sponsors really keep you in the book. You know, one as you're teaching it to them, when I went back through it with the sponsee, I'm like, I, I missed so much, <laughs> you know, and, and, and going through it with a newcomer is, oh my God, it's so beautiful. Taking a fifth step is so beautiful. It's so spiritual to sit there and watch someone else, you know, go through that process that you've gone through, especially when you know that, that it works. Um, so, so now, what it's like for me now, I will tell you this really quickly, because I know um, I'm probably approaching that 10 minute mark. Um, for, for, for me, there's a story and things it's in freedom from bondage, but it really explains where I, where I am. And, and, and she writes, then I began to heal emotionally, to experience feelings, which is something I, I hadn't done in years, that had long been so deeply buried that had atrophied. She said, for a time, I floated on the pink cloud. And I felt like that first year, I was just on this pink cloud. Food was neutral, losing weight, everything was fine. She said, for a time, I floated on that pink cloud. Then I cried for a year. And that's, then I raged for another year. And that's where I am in my, in my current emotions. Um, and she said, but my feelings returned and then began to settle down to a reasonable size. Um, at this point, 
you know, it says our next function is to grow in understanding and, and effectiveness. We've entered into this world of the of the spirit. And so in, in one more reading, um, uh, it's from the OA 12 and 12. And I don't think I have it on my on my thing, but it, it talks about how how they oh yeah, here it is, how she was forced to live in, in she only knew one reality. But OA had had a, not OA, AA. She said, one of the truly great things AA has taught me is that is that reality too has two sides. I had only known the grim side before program, but now I had a chance to learn about the pleasant side as well. There is such a pleasant side of life that I am experiencing that I am t I cannot tell you the miracles that have taken place in my life. I realize I have two of the most beautiful kids that God has ever created. I have a lovely and caring wife. I have no idea how, how God blesses us as addicts with these partners that will just go that would just go to bat for us and that would just put up with so my wife put up with so much with me and now I get to experience she gets to experience me in a total different way I'm a little bipolar at times because I can be raging one second and I could be crying and begging her forgiveness the next you know but she she completely understands what I'm going through um and I guess if I had to say anything I mean to, to leave you with a thought because I, I know my time is is, I think she said nine ten is when we stop. And just in case someone has a has a question, I mean, you you do you do not have to suffer anymore. I mean, this was a gesture every every day for me, y'all. I mean, I would wake up and and do this and do this. I mean, I just wanted to blow my brains out. That is that is just the reality that I lived in. I could not stop. I did not understand that this was a disease, that I did nothing. No more than a person born without a pancreas that doesn't make insulin. It's not their fault they were born that way. It was not this, not my fault that I was born this way. And I have come to believe that I do have this twofold illness, threefold, if you want to throw in the, the spiritual malady, that I do have this obsession of the mind that drives me into the food. And I do have this, this abnormal response, this allergy of the body that when I start to eat certain foods, I cannot stop. And when I stay stopped, my mind drives me back into it. And that's the very definition of insanity. That's the very definition of what this disease is. And at that point, you need a, a spiritual solution. And I'm telling you, it's here. If you give yourself, every time someone reads that, how it works, about you giving yourself completely you giving yourself completely. I gave myself completely to food. Now that I've given myself completely, I surround myself with like-minded brothers and sisters that I, they they get fair. I mean, they get to speak into my life. They get to well, when I do a step ten, I'm honest, and they can give me feedback, and they can say, Leon, this is where you're missing it, and they'll say, Leon, this is where you need to do some more fourth step work. It's only been two years. I don't have 20 years in this, so I know that I'm going to have up and down, just just like the, the young lady said in the in the story. I know I'm going to rage sometimes. I'm, I'm going to go on these emotional roller coasters, but I know that I have a I have a simple program that disciplines me, that keeps me that keeps me level. As as long as I put in the effort every single day, which I'm not perfect, and I can tell when I'm getting too far away. My sponsor likes to tell me, don't let life get too get too big and your program get too small, you know. You know, and and so I, I always try to keep that in mind, no matter how well things are going for me now, I may program a priority. Um I'm gonna go ahead and stop, you know, because I, I can really talk about program for four hours, especially if I start getting into some of these um these blessings that have that have happened as a result of this. But um I'll take a question if uh, if you have some time for that.
and I thank you so much for um for asking me to do this and I pass. Thanks so much. If you would like to raise your hand in the uh, participants, um, I will call on you. Uh, Diana, please. Uh, hi, Leon. Um, thanks so much for your share. Can you talk a little bit about your steps two and three experience, like where you had got your concept of a higher power from and what the process of surrender looked like for you? Well, I mean, I was I was born a church boy. My mama made not church boy. She made me go to church. I mean, I, I didn't want to go to church, but she would make me go to church. So I always had this belief in God. I did not have the belief that God could take this away. I knew that he could, he was all powerful and and he could do do all kind of things. But when it came to my eating addiction or this eating problem that I had at, at that point, I really didn't feel like he he could do anything for me. So when when I did. When, when, when I got to those two steps, I told my sponsor that, you know, for some reason, because people would make, when I told people in, in my belief system what was going on with me, and I told them about OA, they felt like I wasn't believing God enough. They said, you know, God wants you to have pie. You know, who that's the devil telling you that you can't have pie. You know, and so that that brought so much condemnation, like I, I wasn't really believing. And I told him, I said, I, I I really do believe in God. I believe he can help me, but I don't think he can, I don't think he cares enough about this. And I felt like I was actually cheating on God doing these 12 steps, never realizing how spiritual this program is. And my sponsor said something to me. He said, he said, maybe you're seeing God from, from another side. And um, I said, man, that's true. You know, maybe God is bringing me the, this is this is the solution. You've been praying all these years for me to help you. You've had OA around you the the entire time. This is this is the solution. And so once I started to to get get my mind wrapped around that that he does care about me, that that he can relieve me of this obsession, it was very easy for for me to 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 do steps two and three. But where the rubber meets the road, faith without works is dead. You know, so you can believe all you want. But if you're not putting your money where your mouth is, if you're not willing to go to any length, if you're not willing to to put the it's the steps that that builds your faith. As you see, as you take actions of what you see other people are doing and how it's working for them, and you start to see those things come true in your life, that really builds your faith. And and so that just like I said, once I got through four and I got to five, you know, those promises in step five, I knew God in a totally different way than what I knew as a child. This, this addiction destroyed the God of my understanding and really put me in right thought with, with what God really wants us to be happy. And he really does, my, my high power wants me to be happy and he cares about all things in my life. Thank you very much. Next up is Eileen from Portland. Okay, here I am. Thank you so much, Leon. This is the second time I've heard you and I'm really inspired by your program. Thank you. Um, well, I love how you talked about your higher power. Do you ever falter in your belief in your higher power? And then I have another question that's sort of off the subject, but if you feel rage, what do you actually do when you start feeling rage? What do you do? Mm, okay. Thank you. Do I, do, do I falter in, 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 in my belief? When when I take my eyes off of off of my higher power, my whole life, you know, falls apart. When I'm not getting up in the morning and divorcing myself of dishon of dishonesty, self seeking, and self pity, uh, if I'm not getting my mind 
in in the in the right mindset if i'm not having this effective mind that the, that the 11 step promises us then i'm going to have some problems you know i i firmly believe in god i firmly i firmly believe in my higher power i firmly believe in this program and i firmly believe that if you give yourself completely to to these steps your life you will recover and you will have those those promises that they talk about in the book my belief is that this program works you know it, it isn't it, it's it's me I'm, I'm the one that that's that takes my eyes off the prize sometimes or things get to going you know a little well in my life and you know and i, I may skip out on my nighttime review and um so i don't perfectly do things every single night but the majority of the nights i, I am doing my my nighttime review but as far as my my belief in my higher power faltering. No, I just lost my my father-in-law to to COVID. Um, I loved him. I loved him dearly, you know. And and I, I believe that that things happen, you know. Um, and God doesn't, you know, cause bad things to happen. Um, and I believe that he, he was in New York and he was in the wrong place and at the wrong time, and and it happened to him. It didn't shake my belief in God. I I know where he's going once he left here, and it really gave me a it really gave me some comfort to to believe that. What do I do when I rage? Um, I reach out, you know, and I try to walk away. I had a fight with my wife one time. I didn't even fight. She had said something, and I and I just walked away because I felt the rage building up. And I went out, and I was sitting out front, and she came out, and she was sort of like kind of pushing me on. And um and I said I came out here because I didn't want to argue, and I didn't want to I didn't want to start a fight. You know, and it's like it brought so so much condemnation towards her because my natural response is to go back at her, and she she could really see that the program was working. And um, and I like I said, I have a great um, tribe that I get in touch with, and and one of those young ladies told me she said, "Bite your lip until it bleeds, and you pray until it bleeds." You know, but but whatever you do, you don't rage. Now that's not to say that. I mean, this is flesh. This thing will get out of hand. I'm, I am a human, you know, but I am much more aware. Like, like that nighttime review question to ask you, did you think about yourself most time? Well, most of the time, I'm always thinking about myself. But now I am aware that I'm thinking so much about myself and I try to force my thoughts onto to, to helping others. So, no, when I rage, you bite your lip, you pray, walk away, or I pick up the phone. I have no problem calling um, the people in my tribe to talk me off of the ledge. You got to be open, though. You got to be honest. So this program is all about open and honesty. Thank you so much. Next up is Lauren. Hi, I'm Lauren from Pulse of Ada. And um, I'm wondering about what, how you define your abstinence. And, like, I don't know if you've kind of covered this, but, like, what your routine is in a day with, like, your, your rituals in the morning and stuff. Well, I have a fireplace that I, I love to plop down in front of. It's it's kind of cold in South Carolina right now. It's fifty. It's, it's probably probably less than fifty degrees now. I'm not sure what's going on in May, but anyway, I have a fireplace that I flop down in front of. Um, I love to to meditate, and I cannot do it long. I mean, I've gotten up to maybe five minutes of totally clearing my mind. Um, I do pray. Um, I'm a man that loves to pray, and I believe in prayer. I believe it changes attitude. Um, I believe it changes situations that, that I can't change as a part of me communicating with my higher power and putting those things in his hand. I'm a huge believer 
And for some reason, this mental blank spot works with the steps because I, I forget step 11. I cannot quote that. Some people can quote it start to finish. I, every time I read the, the morning step 11, I see something different, you know, and I try to find one thing to focus on. You know, and the main thing in step 11 is trying to make you a new person every morning. It's trying to get you out of yourself. And so I love to read step 11. I love to read um, for today. Um, and I have a, a daily devotion. Now, I don't do all that every morning because I have children and I, and I have to go to work. So I have a shorter version during the week and I have a longer version on, on the weekends. I do pause. I do have a group of, uh, of, of uh, people that I talk to if I have to. I talk to my sponsor every night. Um, I do my nighttime review on the on the OA on the OA app. Um, and how do I define my abstinence? Um, I don't want to get into food plans, but my struggle was was sugar and like fatty, high fatty foods. And so I don't I don't eat those, you know. And I'm telling you, this is the second birthday I've had. Last birthday, they made me a cake. And they, they they took watermelon, shaped it into a cake, and and decorated on the outside that they put fat-free whipped cream, but I, I wiped that off and I, and I just had the fruit this year. They put in front of me a cake. They know, I, they know I used to tear down some carrot cake and it looked like a carrot cake. And this thing is sitting around me and everyone's telling me you're going to eat that cake. I said, I ain't eating this cake. Y'all already know I'm not eating no cake. You're going to eat this cake. I said, I'm not going to eat this cake. And they cut it. It was a freaking meatloaf that was covered <laughs> in a sweet potato, um, uh, covering it, it and it was really good, and I was just so shocked. I said, "I am going to eat this cake because they know I love meatloaf." You know, so um, so no, I mean, um, I, I used to say I would never food prep, and I'm in this program. I'm it's only two years. I would never say never. Um, I'm not a. I, I do weigh um, not every day. If it's something that my eyeballs are playing with me with, yeah, I will pull my scale out and weigh it. I said one at one point I would never food prep. Food prep is like the best thing in the world. I haven't had to do it with COVID because I work from home, so I just cook everything fresh. But food prep takes the thought out of, I mean, you just grab your lunch, grab your dinner, you know, grab your breakfast, and you just move on. So, um, but, but that's my abstinence. And, you know, and, and then behaviors, you know, you know don't, you know, not, not standing, not in the, um, not in the car. Um, I had, I had, all, I had all, all kind of food behaviors. Don't lick the plate, don't lick the table when the food falls. Just, just all kind. And I find myself, <laughs> reflexively doing that sometimes but um like I said it's only two years so I have some time before I, I guess I'll be completely free and I'm very open I would tell you this I mean I, I don't care I, I have suffered too long in this program I know some people are very proud about the things that, that, that they will not reveal in this program and I am not like that I will and my wife kind of I'm like that in other areas too um I feel like people need to be free I feel like I feel like people need to see you know the real side of this program and every day is not a sunny day, you know, and every day is not, you know, I, I can't share what's going on in the big book. Like I, I know the big book, like a historian, I can only share with you my experience and it hasn't always been roses, but I will tell you that there's a, there's a, a wonderful side to this life, but it's not always perfect. Um, but if you ever call me, I will be very open and honest with you about anything um, especially my past and things that I even even things I'm going through right now in, in program. I mean, I'm, I'm, every day is not perfect. Thank you very much. Next up is Nancy D. Hi, Leon. Uh, thank you so much for your share. I heard you once before. It was great. I have a question. If, do you ever find yourself getting too like hyper vigilant, too heavy? And if you do, what do you do to lighten up? 
too hypervigilant, too heavy hypervigilant. Like, I mean, I, I, I have, um, I have PTSD <laughs> that's um, untreated because uh, I went to Somalia in the first Gulf War. So I'm, I'm always hypervigilant. So, uh, so are you, um, what do you mean by hypervigilant in, in the, in the program or? In, in life. And so what, how do you use your program to help you lighten up? Oh, I mean, oh my God. I mean, this, this program, you know, people like to say that, that we are not a glum lot. Um, like when, I call my step 10 folks. Um, some of them, and this is something that I've done recently because it seemed like I only call my step 10 folks and something's going on with me. Um, and then in the OA, my OA family is my family. I've never been, I've never revealed so much of myself to complete strangers before and, and they totally get me, you know, so to, to lighten up, I'm I like things like this. I'm very honest, you know, and when I pick up the phone to call them, sometimes I'm calling them just to see see how they're doing. I don't want I have no temp step to go through. Who who are you? How are you? How long you been married? How many children do you got? What do you like to do? You know, because I'm I want to get to know these people outside the rooms. You know, of course, you know we try to keep things um, within program. But my my step ten tribe of folks, man, I love them. I mean, I, I do. I mean, they are they are everything to me and I know that I could pick up the phone anytime I feel myself, you know, taking life too seriously or taking things too seriously. I mean, I can, I can pick up the phone and, and call them. I have a great sponsor who's, who's, who's always a phone call, um, phone call away. And, um, and he's, he's, he's full of information and he's full of program and he's a, he's a very wise, wise fella. And I, I love to have fun. I mean, the other, other, the other side of this life is when you're not heavy and you're not wanting to sit in the chair all day. I get out with my kids. I'm riding bikes with them. You know, I have fallen like 12 times since this whole COVID thing, riding through hills and jumping little mounds. I used to jump when I was 12 and 13. Um, so, I mean, no, I, I'm living life. I got a basketball court put in for my son. We got them play basketball against each other. So um, the, the freedom that comes with this life, I mean, like, I, like, like in the reading, I'm learning how to live this good side of, of reality.